This morning we're going to be in Psalm 49. And this psalm reminds you of things that you already know. None of these things are going to be a surprise to you. And why it reminds you of things you already know is to show you your need for understanding. If you have understanding, you can hold on to things that are valuable. And if you don't have understanding, you don't have anything at all. So I'm, I'm reading in the first part here of Psalm 49. It says, hear this, all peoples. Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. My mouth shall speak wisdom, and the meditation of my heart shall give understanding. I will incline my ear to a proverb. I will disclose my dark saying on the harp. So the psalmist is saying, I have a riddle for every person in the world. Now, anybody here like a riddle? You do like riddles. Well, God bless you. I'm not so crazy about them. Somebody comes up and says, want to hear a riddle? I go, no. Because they know the answer, and I don't. So they ask it, and then they go, I don't know, why did the chicken cross the road? <laughs> and then they tell me the answer. Because he was stapled to a punk rocker. Duh. <laughs> and they go, thank you, now I know the answer. And it's easy after that, isn't it? All riddles are easy after you get the answer. But until you get the answer, you just go, I don't know. You don't grasp it. Now, this psalm is a riddle for every person in the world. You notice that? Not just for the Jewish people, for whom a lot of these psalms were written, but it's for everybody whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, whether you are an important person or a nobody. If you got a lot of money, you don't have a lot of money. For every single person, and that also counts for every time in human history, every country, every situation, this is a riddle for everybody. Now, the purpose of this psalm is to give understanding. And understanding is mental having. Like, when you have something, you grasp it, and then you can do something with it, right? But what happens if you can't gra grasp it? then you can't do anything with it. 
It's not yours. Okay, now, understanding is a mental having. And if you understand something, you grasp it, and it is yours to use. But if you can't grasp it, it's not yours. So think about understanding in this way. It is something you possess. It belongs to you if you grasp it mentally. All right? Everyone should have understanding because God made you that way. You have the ability to grasp mentally. And if you don't have that understanding, you really don't have anything. Now, the psalmist shows that he has understanding. If you look at verse 5, he says, Why should I fear in the days of evil, when the iniquity at my heels surrounds me? Those who trust in their wealth and boast in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their souls is costly, and it shall cease forever, that he should continue to live eternally and not see the pit. Okay? The psalmist asks this rhetorical question, and it's not the riddle, by the way, but he says, why should I be afraid when people do unethical things in order to become rich? Now, the word he uses for these people is a word that means, I hate to use the word, but supplanter, because nobody uses that word. But a supplanter is somebody who cuts into place, your place, and takes what belongs to you. And the classic example of this is Jacob. Because Isaac, his dad, was getting ready to give the birthright to his twin brother Esau. And see, Esau sold that birthright to Jacob. So Rebekah, Jacob's mother, says, you know what? You go in there and get that. And Jacob goes, but, 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 but. She goes, no buts. Go in there and get that. So he takes his brother's place. She dresses him in Esau's clothing and puts goat's hair on the back of his arm so he'll look hairy. And Isaac embraces Jacob and goes, you sure smell like Esau, and gives him the birthright. And Esau comes in and he's just furious. He took my place. He took my blessing. Well, that's what these people are doing. That is, they're lying and cheating and stealing and manipulating. And then they're boasting about what a success they are. Probably write a New York Times bestseller about it. Now, you know, you can listen to that 
kind of thing and say, well, you know, they're getting all their good stuff right now. And maybe I'm missing out. Maybe I need to kind of make a name for myself and maybe I need to get ahead. Everybody else is. Here I am following the Lord and I'm a dope. I'm missing out. Okay? The psalmist isn't afraid because he has understanding of the real situation. He understands, he grasps that these guys aren't winners at all. They're losers. They're about to be destroyed forever. He says, let them trust in their wealth. Because for these guys, money means I get everything I want. It's the medium of exchange. So I give that much money, I get this. Give that much money, I get that. I get everything I need. Money, it works. I'm set up. I'm successful. But see, he says none of them can be a, by any means redeem his brother. Redeem. And you have to understand, you have to grasp this idea of redemption. Because every single person is going to die and stand before God. And God is going to judge every single person in the world. High, low, rich, poor, whatever your nationality I met an Italian girl a little while ago. I, I gave her my card. She goes, she reads John 3.16, and she goes, oh, that's easy. We're Italian. We're all religious. <laughs> okay. But do you know Jesus? See? Well, everybody's going to stand before God and... Everyone has sinned against God and is liable to judgment and condemnation. Now, the wages of sin are not a fine that you can pay with money. You know, it's a whopping big fine like what Facebook or Meta get hits with just about every week. They have to pay some billion euro fine or billion pound fine or billion dollar fine and they earn like 40, 50, 60 billion so it's like woohoo let's just pay fines get out of jail and keep on rolling the wages of sin are not like that because when you sin you forfeit your life not money God doesn't care about money. Doesn't mean anything to him. We think gold. That's valuable. And God goes, 10 billion universes made of solid gold. So what? So money cannot buy you out of judgment and pay your penalty. It's impossible. No thing 
can redeem you. So these guys that believe money is power, money is ability, money is everything that I need, the psalmist says, you can't redeem your brother. You can't redeem yourself. You have nothing. And you are liable for judgment. You're not a winner. You're losing right now. And you know, when you die, you exist forever. But you exist in a place where there's no God. And because there's no God, there's nothing good. And you know, one of the worst things, I was thinking about this the other day. You know that one of the things that we do as people is we're creative and we're fruitful and we make things and do things and accomplish things. And we go, yeah, I did this. But think about this. In hell, there's no creativity. There's nothing to produce. There's nothing to say, well, it's a bad day in hell, but I did this today. That desire in you to accomplish and do things will never be gratified forever. Now, you know how you felt on one of those days where you've accomplished nothing, and it really eats at you and it bugs you? Because you think, hung out to dry, didn't do anything. Imagine that forever. And thinking, I wish I could paint a picture. I wish I could wash the dishes. I wish I could do something. But your life is wasted, and it's wasted forever. It's an awesome thought. So, what will save you from a wasted eternity? And the answer is only redemption. That is, the price paid that frees you from judgment. And if that price can be paid, then you go free, but nothing else. So the price is not money, and it has to be a just redemption, because God is just. And you know, sin, all sin is against God first. He is the offended party. He created man to be fruitful and to be blessed, and instead man transgressed and is now spiritually dead and soon to be physically dead and then soon to be eternally dead. And that is offensive to God because he loves man. That is also an interesting thread in the Bible that God loathes sin. It is offensive to him. And yet he also grieves over sinners. It's so amazing to look at God on the one hand grieved, and then the other hand absolutely 
I can't even think of the word now. All I can think of is the German. Wutend. And that just means you've got this thick neck. So, God is going to take vengeance. He is going to judge. And nobody gets away with anything. Did you know that? Even if these rich and famous buy themselves out of their fines and pay the billions and kind of go on and do what they're going to do anyway, nobody gets away from God. Now, there is a possibility of redemption, but as the psalmist says here, it is costly to redeem a soul. Because what has been forfeited is a blameless and pure life. So the only redemption possible is for someone who is perfect and blameless to give their life in that place. That is the only redemption. Now, why in the world would a perfect, blameless person lose everything in order to redeem a corrupted, despicable criminal? Does that make sense? But that is the price of redemption. That is costly. Costly. And there is no other way to be redeemed. You know, in verse 8, it says that this redemption shall cease forever. What it means is, give up the idea that there is any other way to live other than redemption. It's not going to happen. You can't redeem your brother. You can't redeem yourself. You are condemned and helpless. Now, the psalmist shows that those who trust in riches have no understanding. Look in verse 10. For he sees wise men die, likewise the fool and the senseless person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inner thought is that their houses will last forever, their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. Nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. This is the way of those who are foolish and of their posterity who approve their sayings. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. The upright shall have dominion over them in the morning, and their beauty shall be consumed in the grave far from their dwelling. But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave, for he shall receive me. Now, it's not like the rich and powerful are stupid. They have some understanding because, you know, you got to be smart to get that rich. Jeff Bezos had a really good idea. 
And he went around to all his friends and relatives asking for them to put in money so that he could go on with his idea. Some of them said yes, but some of them said no. And all those people that said no are kicking themselves because they could have had a huge slice of Amazon and they turned it down. See, Jeff was right. And all those guys that said yes to a risky venture are kind of going like this now. They're going, woohoo, because Jeff is smart. Bill Gates is a smart guy. Elon Musk, smart guy. So they got understanding. They got more than I've got. But these rich and powerful people lie to themselves about death. For he sees wise men die. Does everybody here know that everybody is going to die? Does everybody get that? Yeah, Rob, duh. We know that. Everybody knows that. All right. Does everybody know that when you die, you leave everything behind? Well, duh. Everybody knows that. Now, knowing that death is coming, knowing you're going to lose everything, these people try to make it not so bad. They go, well, this house will be called by my name. And in ages to come, people will pass by and say, whoa, he lived here. And that will be satisfaction for me. These lands have been in the family for 1,200 years. You are allowed to say, ah, now. Well, okay. In the last five seconds of your life, is that really going to help to know that that house is going to last longer than you will? These lands are going to be here, but you're gone. Is that going to help you? See, at that point, you realize that's no help at all. So what if that house exists? That land is called by my name. I'm dead. And in that moment, you're going to realize, man, everything I did to kind of make myself feel good is all a lie. And I'm going out into eternity naked and penniless. I lied to myself. Now, if you don't think about something, you're basically living on the level of an animal. Verse 12, nevertheless, man, though in honor, does not remain. He is like the beast that perish. Now look, if you think about your retirement, if you think about investment, if you think about strategies and all that stuff, dynamite. But if you don't think about this one part of your life, you're living like an animal. Because the animals don't think. You know, they're trying to teach chimpanzees to communicate. You know what? They're teaching them. They're teaching them to say, may I have a banana? They're getting that far with them. 
But chimpanzees do not do aerospace technology unless it should involve a banana. And then you're going to see some serious action there. So imagine what a corrupted life it is to build up wealth, authority, power, privilege, possessions, and yet be totally clueless on this one thing that you're going to lose it all. And all of your effort is for nothing, and it leads to eternal punishment. Already, you're living a corrupted life. You're not thinking. Now, this is the riddle that's facing everybody. This is the riddle. Why do that if you're going to lose it all? Why live a futile existence? Why get all your good stuff right now when you can't keep it? And when you're going to be in punishment forever? And you answer, well, I don't know. I don't think about that stuff. See, right now you can live like an animal and get away with it. But in hell, you will be a thinking human being. Does everybody get that? You're going to be aware of what you have lost. You're going to be aware that there's nothing past hell. Now here's the only solution to this riddle. How is it going to turn out? God will redeem my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. Now this is something to grasp, that God himself would lose everything in order to redeem you. Because it says in Philippians 2 that Jesus, although he existed in the form of God, emptied himself. He gave up being the Most High, the one who tells everybody else what to do, but nobody tells him what to do. That's what it means to be sovereign. You don't have to do anything. And then he leaves that spot of being the most high, and anywhere from there is way down. Down to become a, a tiny baby on a speck in an entire universe that he used to measure with the span of his hand. Now he's just this little baby. And he became, in a way, a supplanter. That is, he took our place, like Jacob took Esau's place, but not to get the good stuff. He took our place to take the bad stuff, to be rejected by men, to be rejected by God. And somebody has noticed, they're hanging on a cross. You're not on the earth. You're not in the air. You're rejected on all sides. And, you know, the 
testimony of the Bible is, is that God is satisfied with this sacrifice. Justice has been poured out. Everything that was taken from God is restored to him, and he's okay with that. Have you ever had your house broken into, or your car broken into, or something of yours stolen, and you realize it? And you go, wow, that dirty, blood-sucking parasite? And you feel violated. What would happen if that blood-sucking parasite came up and said, well, I'm so sorry. Here's what I took from you, and here's 20 million pounds on top of that. Are we cool? What would you say? You want to steal it again? <laughs> I mean, cool, we're buds. You made it up. I, I... All the offense is gone. That's what it feels like. Well, that's how God feels like right now because of what Jesus did. He took all the offense of God and satisfied it so that there's no more wrath for the one who receives Jesus. And so it says in verse 15, he shall receive me. God isn't going to say, oh, who are you? Yuck. I'm not going to receive you. Get away from me. He says, no, no, no. Come here. Come here. I want to love you and hug you. I want to take care of you. I love you. See, he will receive me. That is glorious. And you know, when he receives you, he's not going to lose you. You're too valuable to him. Now the psalmist says, if you have understanding, then use it. Look at verse 16. Don't be afraid when one becomes rich, when the glory of his house is increased. For when he dies, he shall carry nothing away. His glory shall not descend after him. Though while he lives, he blesses himself. For men will praise you when you do well for yourself. He shall go to the generation of his fathers. They shall never see light. A man who is in honor, yet does not understand, is like the beasts that perish. You know, right now in life, there are people who are making out fantastic. They can flout the law, they can get what they want, and they can thumb the rest of the world and say, woo-hoo. And you could get really angry at them and really upset and kind of wish you were getting away with murder like they are. But the psalmist says, don't do that. Don't be afraid you're missing out. Because these guys who are having their good things now, they can't keep them forever and they will never see the light of life. They're going into the eternal darkness forever. And this is something to think about, to see the face of God, to see God who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see. Can you imagine you are going to see the face of God? You will. 
because you're going to see the face of Jesus. And in him dwells the fullness of God bodily. And when you see his face, you will be changed into his image. Directly on contact. Can you imagine? You're there lying in helplessness. Your bodily functions are failing. This is it. You breathe your last. And what do you see? Jesus. And you experience the glory of God, the transformation. You see the light of life. You take your first full breath and you go, I am alive forever. And you feel that immortality, that incorruption. And you say to yourself, oh, I wish I'd suffered more <laughs> because I am experiencing glory. Oh, my God. Thank you. You see, it's going to be worth everything we go through right now to see the face of God, to live in the light of God. That will make this suffering and affliction brief and light. But think about these poor guys who are going to go into the eternal darkness and never see that light of life. These poor guys blowing their billions out, thinking they're moving and shaking the world. They're playing with Legos and Tinker Toys. That's all they're doing. And you don't want to be like them. So look, every single person needs redemption. This is the answer to the riddle. What do I do with my life? Where is my life headed? You need redemption. And if you hear his voice, today do not harden your heart. Because you know all that does. Yes, you're going to die. Yes, you're going to lose everything. Duh. So what are you doing about it? The only thing that will help you is redemption. And you know, it's glorious that it exists right now. And that's why the Bible says today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Go ahead and lose everything to gain Jesus, whom you cannot lose. Here's another application. Let's just say you're getting a little bit anxious about where things are headed. Because you watch the videos, you listen to Ben Shapiro and John Holler and all those guys that wind you up and you know that financial is a house of cards. You know that any second, only one bank has to fail and that's it. We're economic roadkill. Which is true. 
But you could be getting a little worried about this. What's going to happen when the NHS finally implodes for that last umpteenth time? What's going to happen? How are we going to make it? Should I get two years' worth of beans and purified water? Should I get an AK-47, just in case? I mean, seriously, these guys scare the ever-loving daylights out of you. You listen to them. You know what that means? When you get nervous and uptight and fearful, it means you're losing your grasp on your relationship with God. That's what it really means. And what it means is don't worry about beans or ammo for your AK-47. Don't do that. You know what you worry about? Knowing God. Because that's the real issue here. You need to know Him. How much do you know God? An old song lyric that keeps coming back to me is, All my life I give to know His ways, but just how much I know I'm no fool, I dare not say. How much do you know God? So that you can just do a stage dive, fall over backwards, and you know that God's going to catch you. Do you know God? See, this is the real issue. Not how many wind-up videos can I watch so I'm just absolutely terrified to sleep at night. But how can I know Jesus in his death and in his resurrection? How much do I know the love of God coming into my life so I know the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. How much do you know that? The anxiety and the fear lets you know where you're at. So if you're feeling that today, then you draw near. And you say, okay, I I am a little bit far today. And you know, that happens. It happens when you get upheaval in your life, your, your routine gets blown out, You have a pandemic or two. You can't go to church like you used to. Stuff happens. Even in Psalm 119, the very last verse says, I have become a lost sheep. Find me. Here's a fire-breathing, believes in the word of God. And he says, I am so lost. I don't know where I am, but you know. Why don't you come and find me, please? It happens to everybody. So you say, okay, come and find me. And let yourself get found. Will you do that? And then quit watching those videos. 
because the Bible already says the times are coming are so grim, men will die from fear of what is coming upon them. So where's the relationship with God? Where's yours? You don't have to listen to these guys to know it's going to get grim. They're going to put ground-up crickets out as flour. Did you hear about that? This is EU. It's really going to happen. Buy a big bag. Give me two pounds of cricket flour. We're eating what? Is it gluten-free? I'm sure it is. I got to stop. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that your perfect love casts out all fear. And we know that terrible times are coming and they're going to make today look like the good old days. And yet you remain the same yesterday, today, and forever. And because you do not change, we are not consumed. Your loving kindness is new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. How we need to know you not by the hearing of the ear, but because you have come to us and you have begun to dwell in our hearts. And this morning, we pray that you would be at home in us. And we thank you for redemption for you yourself giving your beloved Son so that we would not perish but have everlasting life. This morning, we receive you, Lord Jesus. And we pray that we would know you. Teach us your ways that we may know you. Show us your glory. Walk among us. Thank you for the answer to the riddle. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.